If you would, uh, take out your Bibles and turn to Second uh, Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at the last two verses of Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Second Peter chapter two, or excuse me, chapter three, verse 17 reads this. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, lest being carried away by the error of unprincipled men, you fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of of eternity. Amen. These are the last two verses of Second Peter that we looked at together. And one of the resounding themes that we talked about that really took place from the beginning of the letter all the way to the end is Peter's admonition to us to, to be alert, to be diligent, to be stirred up, to be reminded so that we're not carried away. The current of the culture for him and I would suggest for us equally as well, if not even more so today, is so strong that if we are not diligent, as Peter has commanded us, we will be carried away. We literally have to actively swim upstream because passive inactivity will inevitably carry us away. And so our encouragement as we look at his word is to make sure that we're being reminded of that. And, and I think this time of year in particular is important to be reminded of that because there is a lot that happens during this season, isn't there, that wants to carry us away. There are a lot of things that take place in the consumerism of our society that carry us away. And so this morning, what I want to do is give you an opportunity to, to hear from a couple of families who have done some soul searching, who have examined their heart, who have asked some questions about why they do what they do to make sure that they're not being carried away and that they at least have an answer, a, a resolve, a, a, a commitment inside their heart of this is why we're doing what we're doing and we want it to be pleasing to the Lord. And so with that being said, I want to ask uh, Byron and his family to come up and uh, start our time, but do listen closely to what Byron has to say, and and uh, then Russell and Gracelyn uh, will follow Byron and, and his family. But I want you to hear firsthand from folks within our church who have asked that question, why, and this is their answer. So, Byron. Good morning. I'm Suzanne. This is Byron, Pierce, and Macy. This morning we want to share two things with you that have changed our family. About three years ago, um, this is an odd start to this story, so bear with us. Um, I follow a blog called Pioneer Woman. I know that many of you in this room do as well. Um, she's an awfully good cook, if you're interested. And she often does contests and giveaways. And one of her contests um, had a different twist to it. It was offering her readers a chance to have a compassion child. And the readers were asked to write a little bit about how they thought that would influence their family. And so I wrote a small essay about how I felt like we were raising children of privilege 
and my concerns about that and how I wanted to see their hearts different and changed. And we won. (laughs) We won a compassion child. Uh, And we thought, how cute, how fun is that? She pays and we write him. What a great deal for us. We had no idea that we were going to fall in love. So we want to tell you a little bit about our compassion child and a member of our family, Rimpesa. And Pierce is going to help me do that. So, Pierce, um, tell us first, where does Rimpesa live? Africa, Kenya. That's right. He lives in Kenya. Um, Would you tell me some things that you and Rimpesa have in common? We both like to draw and we both like to play soccer. Um, tell me some of the things that Rampesa and his family struggle with. Um, a drought in Kenya and a famine in Kenya. Yeah, they struggle with food and with water. So when he writes to us, what are some of the things that he's pretty thankful for? Uh, gang stock and they just had like a new baby and the baby's name is Timu. Um, yeah, that's right. He, he writes a lot about their livestock, um, about the famine and the drought in Africa. Um, he writes about rain. We have some common concerns there, <laughs> but I think his are a little bit more significant. Um, so as I said, what we found out is that we fell in love with Rimpesa. Um, He changed us. It's really humbling to receive a letter, and a letter from Rimpesa is a big deal in our house. We are fired up when we hear from him. We we worry about him, and and every time we get a letter, there's confirmation that he's still there. Um, He lives in a part of Africa that's very significantly affected by disease, and and we worry about him. So it's a happy day when we get a letter from him. he has gone to school with us. Rimpesa has been a part of Show and Tell. Um, Rimpesa is in our nightly prayers. Um, his picture is in our house. Um, and when he writes us, he says, to my best friends, Byron and Suzanne, and dear Pearson Macy. And how humbling is that, that he considers us to be worthy of those letters um, and that he takes his time to write us and consider us family. So, This is Rimpesa. He's a part of our family. We love him very much. The next thing that we've been involved with um, is a project that I'm going to ask Macy to start off sharing about. Um, A couple, I think last year, Tim and Linda started talking about water filters, and Mr. Tim showed us a demonstration of a water filter by pouring, like, some really gross stuff in some water, and then he filtered it and drank it. And so um, we started wondering if we could change more than just a family, if we could change a village by doing a water, um, like a water well. And um, so we started sharing to our parents, and they didn't know what to do because they just (laughs) said, no, it's too expensive, it's a big project. And so for a long time they said we didn't need to do a water filter. Or I mean a water well. And so, yeah. You may do this or this. Um, 
as Macy shared with the uh, regarding the water wells, they started in children's church um, last year, and Tim and Linda did this great thing, and uh, you know, I mean, all the kids were real excited about it. But it was just it was just about water filters, and so as Macy said, she and Pierce, I mean, continued to come home. I mean, this 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 went on for basically three months. Um, you know, they would just ask. Why, why can't we do it well? And I came up with, you know, really lousy answers. Um, but we kept doing those answers, and it would, you know, they would suffice for a while. And then, you know, another couple of weeks or a month, it would come back up. And we just kind of went through this process until I started getting really uh, fed up. Yeah, fed up with my answers. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, of realizing that my answers were very logical and very adult and very uh, ye of little faith and uh, had a very small uh, small perspective of God and what he could do. And, and they were also very selfish, um, but they were very logical, um, which most of you can probably relate with a little bit. Um, what happened is... It was early December, and you know I think we were doing prayers or something one night. And it, again, it was like a dad. Why can't we just do a well? A well. I mean, and it makes complete sense. A well impacts more people. It's about you know all kinds of stuff. I mean, their logic is really better than mine. And uh, you know I went through my whole deal again. And then after that, um, I just was going, good grief, these answers really stink. And so I ended up going and spending what I thought was going to be a few minutes online just to kind of research some stuff on clean water and wells. Well, what happened is I got, um, I basically got captured and consumed for the, really the rest of the week. I spent hours late at night and uh, it really felt to a certain degree like I had been, uh, almost felt like it was a conspiracy that all this stuff was out there and I didn't know. And so we went through this about who did wells, how they do wells, all, I mean, all this stuff. And really just the, uh, the impact was amazing to me on just the impact of clean water on uh, on poverty, on education, health, disease, even the social impact uh, with women, and, uh, and also the impact on the spread of the gospel. It was amazing. And so it was pretty much a no-brainer after that that we decided that our family would uh, have a little bit of a new Christmas tradition, and we would, do, uh, we would fund a water well. And uh, we talked to the kids about it and told them, this is going to change the way we, that we do Christmas. It will probably change birthdays. It's going to change stuff. And, I mean, they were all in, and, uh, and pretty much Team Tap Water Wells started. And, uh, but the interesting thing is it didn't stop there. This is, you know, kind of the beginning of December. It kind of continued on, and then when the kids got out of school, everybody's hanging out in the neighborhood, and they started talking just, you know, I mean, they started talking to their friends about all the details of the water wells. Well, then we would get together with another family in the neighborhood where there would be some kind of gathering, and they started asking us, what is the deal with the wells? Are y'all drilling a well in your backyard? What is going on? And so, really, uh, these clean water conversations really, I mean, basically took over our whole Christmas. Um, I mean, we started talking to families. There ended up being three other families that joined with us, and their kids wanted to do the same thing. And so our kids put together packets of information that decorated it with the idea that our block, um, our neighborhood, could have an impact in the world. And uh, so they handed them out. People got involved. It, then it ran over to friends of our neighbors, friends of ours. And all of a sudden, this thing really started to be a lot bigger than what we thought it was going to be. Um, all the funds got raised, um, and really even more were on, were on, on 
process for well number two. But just recently, uh, the process for doing a well is pretty interesting. But um, we just completed um, our first well in Nicaragua in October. So we wanted to show y'all some pictures of our Christmas presents of this past Christmas. probably see on some of the shirts, the organization that we ended up partnering with and continue to partner with is Living Water International. Um, it's a great organization. They're very strategic in, in what they do and how they do it and where they do it and, and also how they share the gospel as part of the, the process and where they're involved. So our family uh, obviously has become really excited about providing clean water and living water and, and really for what we're talking about, really because of this baby that uh, we celebrate at this time of the year, this baby in the manger. What has been really interesting to us, though, is that uh, Rimpesa and clean water and really this living water uh, is, is just the impact that this has had on our family uh, through these new Christmas traditions. And that's what we want to share a little bit about. I mean, this is just our story, and we hope that, you know, maybe this will cause you to think about starting a new story at Christmas as well. So, they're really pretty simple. Um, the first is that uh, Christmas has become way bigger than just us. Christmas is helping to change our vision and our perspective as a family. It's causing a shift away from ourselves and onto others, and it helps us to live with the end in mind. Again, one of the things that we've just talked about as we've gone through Second Peter. Also, Christmas has taken on a new flavor, which for us is really pretty interesting. 
it's not as pretty and glittery as maybe it has been in the past. Um, Christmas now, uh, because of Rimpesa and because of the wells, it involves poverty, it involves uh, death, famine, sickness, and those who do not have trees and celebrate with presents. But yet, what is interesting for us is that they still believe and follow the same nativity Jesus that we typically cover with tinsel and presents. Um, Rimpesa... Sorry. Um, Rimpesa and the wells uh, tend to produce some very healthy tension uh, in the Pat family at Christmas. Um, it's just it's hard to it's hard to reconcile sometimes what we do, and and it what comes out of that is very healthy for us. Um, again, as we talked about in Second Peter, as Todd just mentioned, uh, the things that we've been involved with uh, really help us not to be carried away as much. I would love to say we don't get carried away. But we get carried away. But it's helping us and transforming us not to be carried away as much by what our culture puts out is what Christmas is about. Also, our new Christmas traditions, really, we thought they were going to be about Christmas. Uh, they're not so much about Christmas anymore. Uh, they are things that are really changing our lives and our choices and our hearts for the rest of the year. Our hearts are being captured by living and working and giving for the downtrodden, uh, the poor, the hurting, and the least of these in Jesus' name. Our Christmas tradition has really taken over the other 365 days of the year in a way that we really never envisioned. Another result that is huge is that our Christmas tradition is teaching our kids that they can have a significant impact in their world, in our world, by their own actions as they are growing and becoming followers of Christ. This really started out as this just simple project in children's church. And our kids continued uh, to share and bug and share their hearts with us. And then it turned into you know, what we thought was just going to be a family well project. Then it went over into our neighborhood. Then it went over into friends. And, uh, I mean, it has, uh, it's really changed things because, really because of them, not because of us. We just got lucky enough to happen to be listening after months of not listening. Um, the great thing for us is to see long-term is that really by the time our kids uh, end up graduating from high school is just to see the impact that they can have and that they will be involved in of spots on the map to where people have been changed, lives have been touched, and people have come to know this Nativity Jesus that we celebrate at this time of year. Um, and it's been significant for us and for our kids to be equals with us in having an impact for the gospel. We are thankful that we get to share this. Um, it's been a neat thing for our family. And, uh, and again, I just, we want you to hear that this is just our story. Um, this is not a formula of how you should do things, but hopefully it will spark in you um, something that you can start as your own story. Uh, it's not to recruit you to do wells uh, with us. If you want to do that, if you want to join uh, the well team, we would love to talk to you about it. We're pretty excited. If you don't have a project you want to do, We'd love to have coffee and visit about it. But we're just excited about how these things have inadvertently, uh, what we thought would be Christmas traditions, really have in, ended up being things that transformed Christmas for us and now really has transformed who we are and how we function as a family. So thanks for letting us share. And uh, now Russell and Gracelyn and I'm not sure who else is going to come up, and they're going to share their story of how uh, some transformation has taken place with them through Christmas. 
Anitas. Is this working? Thanks, Byron. And uh, it's real special to get to hear... uh, Byron, Grace, you want to come on up? It's real special to get to hear uh, that tap story all come together because I've... I've I've spent a lot of time with Byron. We're in a men's group together, and uh, he's he's uh, shared a lot of that over the years. And uh, in fact, he stirred us on to uh, through this Gospel for Asia uh, gift catalog to give a, a gift of a. They also have water wells, and uh, to give a gift uh, of a water well to our family. So uh, he's he's uh, and his family have uh, helped uh, kind of shape some of what we've done with our Christmas tradition. Uh, the Thomason family uh, has been processing uh, this Christmas celebration for several years now. And uh, last year we made some significant changes in the way that we celebrate Christmas in our house. Uh, the question we asked, like many of you, uh, was why do we do Christmas the way we do Christmas? We've been spurred on by conversations we've had, this wonderful body who has uh, shared with us uh, your traditions and your celebrations, but most importantly, as we process through the Word, uh, we've uh, been really uh, convicted and, and convinced that uh, we need to take another look at what we've done. As an example, at the end of last Christmas, we, I don't know, Grayson, where you found the movie, but uh, she found a movie that's uh, called God uh, Grew Tired of Us. It's about the uh, Sudanese Civil War of the 1980s where there were these boys called Lost Boys that were orphaned. And this movie documents them many years later as they've grown up to be men, many of them Christians uh, from Africa. Their, their refugee camp was in Kenya. And uh, this uh, following clip uh, that uh, we're going to put up on, on the screen uh, is this man, this Christian man, coming to the U.S., not having much uh, experience or knowledge about uh, what we do, but facing his first Christmas in America and some of the questions that he asked. God, I wish I were dead. I said I wished I were dead. Hello? Greetings, Jake. Oh, hi. Where are you? I'm in the middle of nowhere, dressed like Santa Claus, being attacked by a killer tumbleweed. Cool. <laughs> when did I become your slave? The day you were born. Oh, right. Oh, Dad. Would you mind to explain a bit what is Santa mean, and and why do you set up this um a Christmas tree? Just a bit beautiful, but what is the meaning? This is what we are asking to any American to tell us. What's the meaning of this? Is it in the Bible? Is Santa also in the Bible? Uh, never. But that is Santa Claus. It's Santa Claus. And how does it connect it with, with the verse of Jesus Christ? I think many of us have so many questions to ask. But I think uh, we have few, few people to answer them. This and, and many other, other things prompted us to ask um, similar questions and, and just kind of press the restart button on 
the Thomason family Christmas and ask ourselves, from the ground up, if we built this tradition from a biblical basis, what, it, what would it look like? And uh, those questions uh, led us through a challenging process, and it will continue to be a challenging process. I know Grayson would say uh, that we've had many good conversations, but difficult conversations about uh, what uh, it looks like for our family going forward. And it's not to say that our experiences and traditions that uh, we bring uh, to our marriage and to our household are necessarily bad, but we wanted to stop and, and, and again, push the restart button and ask, why do we do what we do? The first question of three that, that we really came up to is, is, what is the point of celebrating Christmas? Is it a memorial to God? A reminder? Are, are memorials important to God? If we look to Joshua chapter four twenty one through 24, where Joshua set up 12 memorial stones representing the 12 tribes, He says, I quote, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? When when you then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground for the Lord, your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord, your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord, your God forever. The Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me, is another memorial. David tells us, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Psalms 145, verse 4. Peter, in his second letter that we've studied uh, this fall, which is another thing that spurred on a lot of conversation in our household, he says, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that putting off my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. Again, Peter reminding us that these memorials are important to lead us and guide us. The point is to remember. Which leads to the second question. If it is a memorial, what should it memorialize? Well, we we heard today earlier the Prophecy confirmed, uh, prophecy of Isaiah confirmed uh, the birth uh, of Christ. What else should be added to our memorial stones that we look to from Christmas? Uh, Not only the fulfillment of prophecies, but also the ultimate gift of salvation, as Peter says in his, his second letter as he introduces it. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our faith, the faith given by God that we have as believers. Paul reminds us, reminds, he, he tells the Romans, chapter 4, verse 21 through 25, Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words... It was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Once again, another memorial stone, our faith that he's given. What about the promises? 
the promises about our everyday life, what it looks like, and what we should remember from this birth of Christ, the birth, death, and resurrection. Well, what about when Peter says in his second letter, chapter 1, verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Paul says to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Should we put that stone up on the stack and remember, is that true? Can we count on it? Do we believe it? He also says to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He says to the Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 13, again, another promise. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Do we believe that? Do we really believe that? Not only on Christmas, but every other day of the year. Should we be reminded of that? Should we put that as another stone on the pile? Again, salvation, we've, we've talked about it. It's, 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 uh, the Scriptures have, have been referenced. John 3.16 through 18 and others. That gift that we have a eternal hope in Him. He also, uh, the writer of Acts, uh, accounts what, what Paul says in chapter uh, 20, verse 32. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He Himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Do we believe that? I asked my, I asked my kids if they believed it the other day driving to school. They said they did. I said, I would have had a hard time believing that when I was your age because I, I know I didn't. But He says it. Can we believe it? Can we put that as another stone on the pile? What about this? In Matthew's account of the gospel, in Christ's words, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then Peter says, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Again, reminder that we may not see tomorrow, but that's okay because we know where we're going as believers. And we ought to live like that if we believe it. Is that another stone we can put up there? Also, the, the promises of the world and the devil. What does he tell us to, to remember about, about those? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17. Todd went over it. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Solomon also reminded us in Ecclesiastes, after he had spent a life, as he told us, living, living the world and the trappings of the world and, and following the promises and he comes to the end of it and he says, The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. 
My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Was Solomon sending down through the generations a memorial stone for us to stack up and put on ours to remember that there's one end. The end in mind is, is Him and His Word and His promises. And those stones should cast light on not only this one day we celebrate, but the 364 other days of the year. So the third question we ask in the Thomason household is, so what does this look like for the, for the Thomasons? We know God is interested in memorials and using memorials. And we know that He has a lot of promises that He wants not only us to know, but us to share with our families, our friends, the lost, the people we come in contact with. So what does that look like for us? What's the role? In terms of testifying to these truths that we know and evangelizing the world and shepherding others around us, starting first with, with those in our own household, our, our children. Peter, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 9 says, after he's established us, as believers in the faith and what we have in that faith. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. So calling us to action, to walk alongside Christ in looking for these opportunities and, and supplementing our faith with the things that He's called us to, these promises. And so in the Thomason household, we haven't perfected it. We haven't come up with the final analysis. I believe that we'll be processing um, for years to come and we'll continue to uh, have our eyes open to uh, new things and new ways that we can worship uh, and share His love in this season. But some of the things uh, that we have done um, is the Advent Scripture readings. We're incorporating the ones that Todd has prepared, but we've also got other readings that we are spending each night, 27 days before Christmas Day, reading with our children and processing and asking questions of them. And I may let Graceland add a little bit on that process and what that's meant to our family. It's been really, it's been really great. It's one of the things when Russell started asking these questions and kind of taking me along with them. I didn't really jump on the bandwagon quickly <laughs> or easily, but um, I didn't mind doing things differently. I knew we hadn't, you know, that we hadn't really thought about it. We just kind of did what everybody else did, what we just kind of grew up doing. And um, so when we started asking the questions about two years ago, I said, okay, I acquiesce. I will do whatever you want to do. I will go wherever you want to go with this. But I don't want to just not do anything because everybody else does something. I want something meaningful, and I want us to prayerfully consider how we're going to do this. I don't want to just be mad because we feel like it's done improperly or irreverently and just stop and just stand firm on that. I wanted it. 
I just wanted it to be meaningful. And I like to give gifts. I like to do things that are meaningful. And so I feel like through this Advent thing, and I can't, I think my kids are in here, so I can't really talk about it. But it's, hi. <laughs> but it's, um, it's given me a chance to, we're doing the Advent and giving them a chance to just kind of write out some of their thoughts each night about Advent and kind of what does this remind you of? What, where does this take you? Are you thinking about what happened in the Garden of Eden? What happened in the fall? What does that make you think about? And just letting them write it. And then it, it's giving me an opportunity to eventually use those to give something back to them. So I like that. And uh, you've seen the catalog. Uh, I think Mark mentioned it, the Gospel for Asia catalog. That's something that, that we found out about thanks to, to this body last year. And uh, we incorporated that into our gift-giving uh, process. And, and the kids got around it. We started early, I think early December, talking about it and, and sharing about what that meant and how that was an extension of, of the love of Christ. Uh, because uh, we know, of course, that the food, the water, it is necessary. But uh, the knowledge of, of, of God, His Word, His truth is absolutely essential. And without that... Um, we know. We have no hope. And so being able to provide through this catalog and through this ministry that it organized it in such a, a, a wonderful and effective way has been a blessing to our family to be able to uh, be a part of what God is doing to take the gospel, His message, to the poorest of Asia who haven't even heard the word of Jesus along with the, the water and the food and the chickens and the goats. And so we've been able to get up on... Uh, Christmas morning with the kids and they've all picked out their gifts and we've picked out ours and we share about those gifts and why uh, we've given those gifts and and what that means uh, to us as a family. Another thing that we've done on Christmas Day is make that the, the lunch that day, and we plan to do the same thing this uh, year, an opportunity to bring in uh, others, other families who don't have a place to go on Christmas to share and break bread with us and be able to, again, remember. Remember what this is about. It doesn't stop with the birth of Jesus. It goes uh, to His death, His resurrection, and to the promises that He gives us. Uh, and so it's, it's an opportunity to share that. And, Grayson, you might mention um, anything else you, you want to with regard to that and... and uh, We're, we're not, you can tell we're not really in sync on, on this, uh, this part of it. But we've talked a lot about it, I promise you, uh, that we just haven't necessarily prepared to uh, do the uh, interview question E part of this. Well, uh, I just, I'm thankful for this body and the example that so many of you guys have been to us. Um, just as you kind of walk through your own situations in your own lives, and it's just given us a chance to ask ourselves some hard questions that we probably wouldn't have if we didn't know you. And, and we know that uh, you know, this is going to be an ongoing process for us, and we would love to, to visit with you more about just our process, and we'd like to hear more about um, what you do as a, as a family to memorialize uh, the, the, uh, our, the Lord Jesus and all that he's done for us uh, during this time, because we do believe that it is... As I think Byron said, it's something that should carry on and change our lifestyle and the way that we do things for 365 days of the year. And so we hope this year will be um, 
you know, uh, will bring, bring great blessings for us to remember and to call us to, to think about uh, these things. So thank you for letting us share. Well, I hope that's helpful to you just to hear some perspectives of what a couple of families have done. And I know there are many more of these kinds of stories. One of the things that I would urge as a result of what you've heard, we talked about this several times as we prepared for this morning, was that we want to make sure that you understand that this is not a formula. And if any of you are feeling burdened with the fact that, oh, great, now I've got to do one more thing for Christmas that I haven't done before to add to what we've already done, let me relieve you of that burden. Don't do that. Do what you've always done. Because what these people have described to you is something that has occurred in their heart and their behavior changed because there was a heart change. And if there's not a heart change, there should be no behavior change. Right? And so let me encourage you just to ask the questions. Talk to your kids. Get them to tell you why you do what you do. That would be a good way to figure it out. That would be a great perspective to hear is why do we do this? And let them tell you. And then... Find out if that answer is satisfying to you. And if it's not, maybe you need to push the reset button like uh, Russell had mentioned and go back to square one and, and start from scratch. That's a good thing to do. So would encourage you to do that. Um, with that in mind, we've got a couple of things that I want to do to finish up. You, you hear one of them, and that is baby dedications. So uh, if I could have the families come forward who are here for the baby dedications, if you'll come to my right. Okay, and then I believe there are also uh, a couple of families that are here as new members. Can you come up to my left? And uh, if the elder who I think Carrie uh, might uh, be here to introduce one family, the Hardys and Hullabooks. Last week we uh, did baby dedications. Was that last week? No. Two weeks ago we did baby dedications and we had a whole gaggle of them up here and you thought, man, that's a lot. We got more. <laughs> There's a lot of growing families. And so let's do it this way. Um, the first thing I'd like to do is just take the opportunity to introduce these families to you. And I'm going to ask the, the husband of each family to introduce their wives and their children. So, Caleb. Um, I'm Caleb Christensen. This is my wife, Lindsay, and our daughter, Anna Kate. I'm Bruce Shubielka. This is my wife, Stephanie, our daughter, Tessa, a daughter, Lainey, and we have a bun in the oven. <laughs> We're the Woods. I'm Trey Wood. This is my wife, Latricia. We've got Caitlin here, Caleb, and Ashlyn. Michael Park, this is Amber Park, Connor and Zeke, and we also have a bone. <laughs> Here in a little bit, I'm going to take an opportunity to pray for them. But I want to remind you, here's another reminder, put this stone on the stack. Uh, one of the things that we do as, as a result of baby dedications is as these families stand before you, they're making a commitment 
They're making it publicly like we do in baptism. And what they're professing as parents of these children is that they are going to raise these kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They are committing themselves to that. And they're going to be diligent to ensure that they're asking the questions and, and it, like we've talked about this morning so that they grow in an understanding of what it means to follow Jesus Christ in faith. And so that's the commitment they're making. But that's only half the commitment. Because as a church family, we are making a commitment that is as important as the commitment that they're making. Because we're making a commitment to join with them in that process. So that like two Sundays ago when we have baptisms and there are some of these young men and women who profess a faith in Jesus Christ, we know that we've had a part in that. Whether that's serving in children's ministry or just the friendships that we share with one another, we want to share the commitment that they're making to raise these kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So that one day they stand up here, maybe like what you heard this morning, talking about how they have faith in Jesus Christ and are leading their kids into that same uh, same faith. So that's what this is all about. So hold that thought. Let's move over here. This is uh, Jeremy Hardy, and, uh, and I want to let him introduce him and his family. Jeremy and then the Hollibucks uh, are two families that are new members to our church. And so we want to welcome, let you be introduced to them. And by all means, come introduce yourself when we're done. They'll stay up here for that. And uh, so, Jeremy, why don't you introduce your family for me? Uh, my name is Jeremy. This is my wife, Rachel. Uh, oldest to youngest, uh, this is Isabel, Mary Grace, Emily, and Olivia. And we're the Holovics. I'm Tom, and this is Cynthia. Well, let me pray for us. If you would, go ahead and stand. Let's pray together. God, we uh, are thankful for Jeremy and his family and the Holovics and their desire to be a part of this body and uh, to share in what commitment we've made uh, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray for them as they continue to build relationships within this body that they will be nurtured in a way that uh, draws them closer to you and in the same way that they will encourage others in the relationships that they develop with them. And to just pray that uh, they will be a part of that commitment that we have made along with these families this morning uh, who are here to dedicate their children and uh, to dedicate themselves really to uh, their children and how they will raise them in a way that honors you and prayerfully uh, to a time that leads them to where they have faith and trust in you as their Lord and Savior. But, Father, we say that knowing that we are committing ourselves as a church family. And when we close this prayer and say amen, we are committing ourselves to that shared commitment of growing these kids in a way that honors you, to investing into their lives, to being purposeful about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to them as often and in as many different ways as we can. Father, we're grateful for the privilege this morning to be together as a church family, to, to, to hear what you're doing in the lives of those who are part of this body. And we pray that it has instilled within us, uh, if nothing else, the questions that we need to ask about why we do what we do. And ultimately, to bring us to a place that the answer comes with a convincing conclusion that what we do honors you. To the praise and glory of your name. Amen.